재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Well, here in South Korea, the nation's spy agency, the National Intelligence Service, has long been suspected of trying to manipulate public opinion, especially ahead of key elections, including the last presidential election, through various online activities. Um, You might think this is a horrible violation of democratic principles, but uh, Korea may not be the only country who has that sort of potential problem. Over in Russia, there's been a surge in aggressive pro-Kremlin commentators in recent years. They've been nicknamed the Troll Army, and they're suspected to be operating under the guidance of Russia's Federal Security Service, better known as the FSB. To learn more about this situation, we're very pleased to have joining us from the University of Leeds Russian Studies uh, instructor, Dr. Ilya Yablokov. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, First, can we Talk about this so-called troll army. Um, What what are the origins of this uh, group of people? And is there really any concrete evidence that there is a link between these online commentators and the Kremlin? Well, uh, I would say that uh, the trolls originate in the Internet, like in the 90s, but they became really active on the web uh, in Russia, at least in Russia. We're not talking about the the English Mm. speaking environment, uh, they originated sometime in the la- late 2000s uh, when the Kremlin kind of realized that it has to control the Internet too uh, because there were more people coming uh, to online activities. They were reading websites and there was kind of the notion that the Internet, in Russia at least, is a, is a ground, like a playground for liberal forces and the Kremlin cannot really control it. So they basically decided to fund these kind of activities of these commentators, maybe paid commentators, sometimes um, even enthusiasts who were engaging in conversations uh, on a live journal, the blog mm-hmm. uh, platform, which is still kind of popular mm-hmm. in Russia. And later, after the protests in 2011, 2012, these kind of activities became even more popular. And I guess they were uh, much better funded by, again, uh, I, I'm looking at it as, a, as, a, as an academic. I cannot speculate whether it was funded uh, by the Kremlin or by any special uh, forces. What we know, we know some bits of information, uh, from the, for example, from the New York Times magazine article last year or from other sources like uh, Russian investigative journalists. So it's really hard to say whether uh, all of these activities are funded by the Kremlin or by the FSB, by the special security services. But they're definitely kind of part of the online environment now, at least in Russia. Now, generally speaking, when we talk about these sort of paid trolls um, in the English setting or even in the Korean language setting, there are those popular uh, social media networks. Um, you mentioned LiveJournal. Would would they be just infiltrating places like I, I understand in Russia, they're, they're, VK would be sort of the, the version of Facebook, right? Yeah, Russian Facebook, yeah. But also Facebook uh, and Twitter and other social networks, they're pretty much everywhere. Even on the websites, they're leaving comments. So, for example, during the Ukrainian crisis, some of the some websites had to switch off the option of uh, commenting on the news because there was so much of mm. uh, uh, hatred online. So, yeah. and also there were these paid comments in order to distract attention from kind of from important news or to kind of to undermine the information which is kind of uh, mediated through through 
certain articles or, or pages. So it's kind of it's 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 kind of a real problem in in Russia now. Does this have uh, an effect? Do you believe it is effective as far as if you are a Putin supporter and you, you, you want to keep the regime in power, that these, these uh, online commentators actually hold some influence? I would say so. Uh, on the one hand, certainly, in order to create this impression that there are so many people who kind of uh, express the same opinion, maybe it's useful. The other thing is that how many people like uh, regular users ordinary people, they actually read the comments, uh, because we're talking about uh, comments, for example. Right. If we're talking about some hoax videos, right, which were posted on YouTube or on other websites or hoax uh, websites, uh, then it might actually have certain influence on the public opinion. Again, uh, it's really hard to measure, uh, but what we can see now, this social divide in Russia between, say, the majority of people who support the regime and the actions of the regime, say, in, uh, in the neighboring countries, and the minority who kind of tries to be critical of mm. what is going on, then it actually might uh, kind of keep the, the fire of this uh, rage between these two kind of social groups to, to, to sustain this division in society. And here, these kind of, uh, these, a lot of these websites hoax websites, fake websites, fake news, they actually uh, might have a strong impact on domestic politics. Is there a sense that traditional media, whether we're talking about newspaper, print, um, TV, broadcasting, I know that there are very uh, few truly independent uh, media outlets now. Uh, are they being detrimentally affected by this, or has that just really been a separate issue with this overall crackdown on independent journalism? No, I'm not sure that we need to, to kind of to connect these two issues together. Uh, the freedom of media in Russia is certainly in a, in a, in a bad state uh, at the moment. And uh, I would say that Medusa, for example, one of the pretty, pretty much most prominent independent websites at the moment, uh, they do have, uh, they might have problems mm. with these trolls on Facebook. But I guess... Uh, the kind of the nature of the outlet the and professionalism of its stuff they actually try to clean up the comments uh, and kind of to sustain kind of the um, certain ethical principles in the discussion so for example the bbc russian website and the bbc russian profiles on social media they also try to kind of to keep right. um, kind of to keep the comments open but still they kind of they have to edit uh, this flooding of uh, fake and uh, sometimes stupid comments. Uh, on the other hand, uh, the nature of Russian media at the moment is, uh, as I said, in a bad state. And I don't think that trolls or these fake websites are part of this. Uh, actually, there's an interesting connection between kind of the nature of these trolls uh, and kind of this culture of self-censorship in the Russian media. For example, if you read the stories which... Ran, which ran on the New York uh, Times website about Russian trolls. You'll see that kind of the people who engage in the investigation of these kind of activities, they quickly become targets mm. by the same trolls. And then, as one of the um, um, ladies who is an investigative journalist in Finland, they, she said, well, next time, 
maybe I will think twice whether mm. I should engage into this research, into this investigation. So kind of people start thinking whether I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't really uh, do that. Maybe I shouldn't really engage in, in battles with these people because they're going to kind of attack me. Uh, I'm going to become a target. And this is dangerous. And this is actually the ground for self-censorship. And then for other people, it's also kind of a, it's a, it's a good lesson. Maybe we shouldn't engage in, in, in that kind of activity. So, in a way, it's going to be a win-win situation for those people who run these troll right. factories. Yeah, this sounds like a very difficult situation. We're going to leave it there. Uh, Dr. Yablokov, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Soul City News up next.